Greetings, everyone. You're listening to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa DeLay, and this is Soul School, Lesson 199, Vain Glory and Pride. This is the last in the series on afflicting thoughts, as taught by Evagrius Ponticus, the desert hermit who lived from 345 to 400 CE. He's featured prominently in my book called The Wild Land Within, Cultivating Wholeness Through Spiritual Practice. What I wanted to do in this book is share some of the things that have helped me find healing and wholeness and more serenity. Not just the spiritual practices that I introduce at the end of every chapter, but whole new ways of seeing ourselves and what I term the inner land within. The climate and the weather fronts that move about in the unseen places inside ourselves that dictate the decisions we make, the relationships we have, and so much of what makes us us. Today I conclude with vainglory and pride. These are two things that are probably understood too little or misunderstood. Pride is understood and taught very differently by Evagrius Ponticus than it is detailed hundreds of years later by Pope Gregory the Great in The Seven Deadly Sins. I'll speak to that first. Pride in The Seven Deadly Sins in a Western, Christian, Catholic, or Protestant mindset is about rebellion. Pride is considered a sin of rebellion and selfishness. Sometimes it is thought of as the first sin ever when Adam and Eve pridefully take the fruit, take something for themselves when they disobey God in the garden. But Evagrius Ponticus sees pride as something completely different. His ideas about afflicting thoughts are ways to understand the normal occurrences that happen in our inner world that eventually cause sin and damage, but can be thwarted and overcome. He works as a kind of internal meteorologist that helps us understand ourselves better and then helps us to prevent hurtful, damaging, or sinful patterns in our lives. Vainglory starts on page 95. To hear the rest of them, you can go back a few episodes, and even better, buy the book, You can find a link to this book if you go to the short link I've created, tiny.cc forward slash wildland. That'll take you to an Amazon page where you can get the book at an independent bookseller by going to tiny.cc forward slash wildindie. And the last word, indie, I-N-D-I-E, is all capital. You can also just go to your local bookstore and ask that they order The Wild Land Within. On page 95, it goes like this. Vainglory. Like a subtle low-pressure system that eases onto our landscapes, first as very pleasant weather, vainglory glides in. Only after a while does it suck the air out of the place, making it hard to breathe. Some of us might remember being reprimanded as children if we were caught boasting or bragging, being reserved about our accomplishments, our smarts, and our possessions or blessings was the only appropriate behavior, especially in previous decades, gloating or showing off was not tolerated. I don't remember this problem referred to as vainglory, but that is the name for it. Evagrius teaches that vainglory is a prevalent afflicting thought. The vain part of vainglory refers to the temporary and insubstantial nature of the activity or thought. Trying to get glory that is self-centered is pointless and worthless taught of Agrius. Showing off gives us diminished returns 
and creates negative spiritual consequences that distract us from developing Christlikeness. With vainglory, it is the attachment to the social reward component that creates a troubling shift. Evagrius warned that this temptation comes after most of the other afflicting thoughts are weathered. At a certain point, when we've managed to put our lives in order and create consistent righteous habits, we are then tempted to peacock about how good we've been doing. Evagrius knew the frailties of the human condition very well. He knew that our deep longings for acceptance and admiration quickly distract us from lives devoted to God as the true source of our fulfillment. Through little mistakes of vainglory, we begin to love the attention and adoration of others, and not just love it, but yearn for it, attach to it, grow to demand it, learn how to procure it, and then, of course, feel dejected without it. Evagrius warned his students about the fantasies that often arise within secluded religious life in particular. These disciples would be tempted with desires to be the most righteous, the most devoted, the most talented, the smartest, and the most accomplished, and even the humblest. Vainglory afflicts the pious, the do-gooders, and the religious people with the most stealth. Because doing good doesn't often come with extrinsic rewards like money, possessions, or power, we are instead tempted to subtly signal others to our moral or spiritual proficiencies. With the advent of social media, most of us could qualify for expert-level badges in vain glory. Social media companies like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and others rely on vainglory for their very existence. People touting their virtue is what makes billions of social media users feel validated. And it can seem perfectly harmless. Now billions of dollars are at stake if we aren't vainglorious. Vainglory, when it's used against others in public or social settings, also looks like judgmentalism or cancel culture. When we point out the mistakes, faults, or poor character of someone else, we draw vainglorious distinctions between them and ourselves or us good guys. If someone lacks goodness, good sense, or piety, will we tell everyone about it? Along with acedia, vainglory is one of the most insidious afflicting thoughts of our cultural milieu. Most of us are unaware of it. Too many times I've caught myself considering how I might capture some occurrence in my day and place it into a post that could reflect well on me. Maybe it was a kind way I helped someone or the money I sent somewhere. The truth is, I've wanted other people to admire me. On the surface, maybe it doesn't seem so bad. In our culture now, it's completely normalized. Though it's normal, we must ask ourselves, does doing it make us more like Jesus? When you feel compelled to share something good that you've done, ask yourself, is it hard to keep this to myself because I'd like some credit for doing good? Am I trying to make a distinction between myself and someone else? And why is it so important to me right now? Who am I trying to impress right now and why? If it's a routine thought pattern, then it points in some way to an esteem and affection core wound 
that needs our closer attention. Here are two helpful ways to guard against vainglory. Giving in secret, or doing good deeds anonymously or not telling anyone else about it. And cultivating a genuine attitude of ongoing modesty and restraint. When we find sufficiency in God, then mining for the good opinions of others seems less attractive. Restraint in reiterating goodness and being reticent to give credit will come more easily. The pressures to impress others with our virtues dissipate when we don't believe and behave as though others are holding the measuring stick. Pope Gregory the Great did not include vainglory as one of the seven deadly sins. He saw that the temptation of vainglory would be better expressed through the two serious sins of envy and pride, and he added both to his list of seven deadly sins instead. We turn lastly to pride. Now before I jump into pride, I just want to mention a little bit more about vainglory. Again, these two last afflicting thoughts, vainglory and pride, come really when we feel like our lives are sort of in control and we have quite a bunch of virtues going for us. Maybe we don't have a lot of anger anymore. We don't have big troubles with lust or avarice. And we're doing pretty good. And we'd like to, maybe we'd like a few other people to know about it. Or maybe we're thinking, maybe I can be a good example. I can just kind of let people know. And then maybe they'll be inspired to do great things too. And on the surface, that's not so bad. The problem is, is that we get really attached to the social currency that's attached to sharing our good deeds. And getting attached to that social currency becomes really addictive. And then we're trapped by it. And it kind of leads us around by the nose. Now we'll move to pride. And again, I want to stress that Evagrius Ponticus views pride really differently. And it's a remarkable difference that I find really enlightening. And I hope you will too. The pride section is really short, so I will read a little bit after that as well. Number eight, pride on page 98. When prideful, we have a working amnesia about the work of divine grace. Evagrius taught that the temptation to pride was not a core-level depravity, which is in contrast to how Western Christianity has understood it and what Pope Gregory taught. Evagrius taught that pride was delusional, a misperception of reality. Evagrius said pride comes to afflict us after all the other afflicting thoughts have reduced us. The sin of pride, then, happens when we've deteriorated and become consumed with other thoughts, problems, and sin. Pride is likened to a pathology of the mind by which we are rendered unreasonable and unreachable. In pride, our hearts are hardened from self-righteousness, and we can't realize that our humility is gone. We've become too unaware to apprehend the sorry state we're in. Many of us have heard grace defined as unmerited favor. That definition doesn't describe what happens as the power of grace changes our lives. Unmerited favor is experienced as the presence of God with us. Grace puts every single one of us on equal footing. This life-giving connection is what we discard when we sin in pride. 
when we become prideful, we take the position that grace must need to exist for others, but not for us. This weather is some of the worst. Like a blizzard or torrents of rain, pride obscures everything. Self-satisfaction and smugness reveal that one is senselessly out of touch with reality, says Evagrius. This is a brilliant way of understanding spiritual sickness that needs true healing. If we don't learn how to watch for stormy weather, it can be ruinous. I'll just stop to say the stormy weather within. We're talking about stormy weather. It's the weather fronts that happen within us. And this is a metaphor for the ups and downs that we experience in our lives. Some of the things we know about, some things are obscured. And this book is getting at what those things are so we can know ourselves more fully. The next section on page 99 says, Begin to Witness. Evagrius invites us into a paradigm shift. Rather than assuming we are simply gluttonous people, or lustful people, or angry people, we can understand instead that we may experience a gluttonous thought, or an angry thought, or a lustful thought. These afflicting thoughts, as we've learned, are a kind of weather front that sometimes moves through our wild lands within. Remember, we aren't the weather, and we don't own the weather. We let it pass. Evagrius's wisdom gives us great insight. He tells us that all our cravings can be witnessed. It is our compulsion to personally identify with temptation and to sin through these afflicting ways that keep us from being free. By seeing temptations for what they are, and by avoiding being swept up into their forces, we don't have to capitulate to them. Though we may long for the things the afflicting thoughts tempt us with and be distracted by them at first, we can still retain self-control. Just like the Spirit guided Jesus, the Spirit guides us too. Another way to describe self-control is self-possession. To be self-possessed is to be possessed not by anything or anyone else. Rather than losing self-control, we are in possession of ourselves through the power of the Spirit. This is a spiritual fruit. Since the goal is neither to eradicate the weather of the afflicting thoughts, nor fear it, nor hide from it, what does Evagrius advise? And I'm going to just stop it right there, because even though I say some of what he advises in the next sentence, I hope that you will buy the book, The Wildland Within, at a bookstore near you, at Amazon.com, wherever you'd like to buy your books. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse, there will be some very interesting photos there that are medieval art about vainglory and pride that are just wild, bewildering, crazy images that I find so entertaining. And so you could go find them there for free. See all of the posts that I have made available. And some are available when you contribute a dollar or more to support what I do every week. It takes listener-supported support to keep this program going and to finance it. It's not free for me to do it. And so when you defray the costs, it really helps out a lot. 
I thank you so much for following along, learning about the afflicting thoughts. Make sure you go to sparkmymuse.com also, because there are over 400 audio episodes, plenty of them with fascinating guests, people that you've heard of, best-selling authors, and little-known people that you will find engaging and delightful. Thank you so much and have a blessed day.